You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, we're at Golden Grove Estate in Wales. Yes, that's Wales. So naturally, there's going to be a lot of discussion about drinking. The Welsh in general are quite known for for their boozing. Yes, it's a reputation they've got, but uh, I've lived in foreign countries like England, you know, and uh, they're pretty good at it. <laughs> Newcastle on Tyne and uh, them boys, oh, yeah, like, uh, they're like a drop, yes. That man describing the English very accurately is Terry Norman, secretary of the local history society. Some years ago, I wrote a couple of websites about the area, one of which included the town of Sandilo. Now, Sandilo's in the county of Carmarthenshire in West Wales. Pretty little town, lovely little town, with a couple of um, ancestral homes, one of which is called Golden Grove, or in Welsh, Gesli Eyre. That's uh, six L's. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yes, I, t- I started taking an interest in Golden Grove. It's, it's, uh, it's passed through several hands. Yeah, several rich and increasingly scandalous hands. And it's those hands we'll be discussing on this episode. Terry is going to be telling us about three earls, one pirate, and a lot of Jaguar E-types. But first, let's have a talk about the history of the building. When was it made? Why was it made? First one was 1560, built by a local landed family, rich family. They got their first title, their title, 1621, Earls of Carberry. So at Tudor times, we're just after Henry VIII? Tudor times, yeah. But yes, that's when it was built, yes. And it lasted 200 years, 1754, a fire destroyed it. So they built the second one, much more splendid in the style of what they call neoclassical. Those are the ones with the Greek columns outside, you know. Oh, yeah, like I know. Well, big, big pillars and stuff, yeah. I yeah. Know and then the third life of this was uh, another person inherited the wealth of these quarters. They owned half of Carmarthenshire. And he mm-hmm. built a brand new one, which is still there, which is fabulous. It was is that the one? Yeah, I was going to say, is that the one that's um, styled like sort of a fake Scottish style? Yes, it's, it's, it's yeah. called Scottish Baronial. 
which is itself right. fake Gothic style. It's how the Scots imagined Scotland was like in the Middle Ages. Why did they decide to make it like that? They had the money. He oh, inherited a lot of money from um, one of the Vaughans. The last of the Vaughans, a boy called John Vaughan, and when he was young, him and his mate, Earl of the, um, one of the Corders, John Campbell of the Corder family, they used to go on the Grand Tour. If you were a young, rich man, your parents would send you on the Grand Tour, which was supposed to be for your education. Is this like a posh gap year? More than that, more than, much more, more than, than that. that. It's oh. two years, probably. They studied Holland, worked their way through France, down into Italy, and they were supposed to be looking at paintings, architecture, mm. all the culture of... But on everywhere you go, there's always stopping points where there's the odd brothel and casino, which is where they usually <laughs> spend their time. Yeah, that a sounds few, about a few, right. <laughs> a few people did uh, take it seriously, but it was common, apparently, that... It was quite dangerous traveling then because you had highwaymen, there was disease around. So they quite often would leave them, write a will, leaving their things to their mate in case one of them died when they were abroad. They did come back. and But um, when this John Vaughan died then eventually, 1804, he'd run out of He had left a will, leaving it uh -huh. to, first of all, his eldest son, if he had one, or eldest son of his body, meaning legitimate. If he didn't have any sons, then he went to his eldest daughter. If he had no daughters, okay. he went to his wife if she was alive. She died before him. And if, did, if he ran out, ran out of that list, it went to his mate, John Campbell of the Corder family. John Campbell got it. So oh, this okay. fellow, John Campbell, inherited, mm -hmm. uh, well, you're talking about 50,000 acres, prime agricultural land. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, in. it's huge, isn't it? It's massive. They, they own they own 50,000 acres of Carmarthenshire. They had about five grand mansions. They had about 27 manor houses, several castles. You, you could play like a real-life game of Monopoly with that amount of stuff. Yes. The family, the Campbells, who lived in here, they were from Scotland, from Cordoba, but they'd married into a local family. They were very good at marrying. They married yeah, quite a few heiresses. But the 1950s, they, they leased it to the local council as an agricultural college. Trouble is, oh, the house nice. has, has been sold off and passed through several hands. The second Earl of, Ca of Carberry, you're talking about the time of um, 1600s now. This is he, Richard Vaughan. He went in for sadism. Sadism? Yeah, sadism. Is that, like, is that like sadism, but just a bit more depressed? He was an aristocrat, and during the Civil War, you know, the right. Cromwell and all that, he was, um, he was given the command of the forces in West mm -hmm. Wales. But he'd never, right. ever commanded an army. Yeah, this is one of those times where just if you've got a title or something, you yeah. just get given responsibility just because you've got a title rather than any yeah. sort of skill. Exactly. And he lost mm. the whole uh, uh, three West Wales counties, which were in the hands of the, uh, the royalists. He lost it. it. It was so bad that when he got back to Oxford to see the king, the king took him away, gave it to somebody else, a professional soldier. King Richard. Charles II, isn't it? Who's the, Charles who's the, the I. Charles, that's it. Charles, Charles the first. The first oh, there's a first. Charles the first. Now the one who got okay. beheaded, but he fined yes, him four indeed. and a half, four and a half thousand pounds, about half a million, for losing right. the, all of the commands. So he came back to oh, Golden Grove. He sat it out for for the rest of the Civil War. Luckily, you know, for, luckily for him, didn't do anything. The Restoration came and he got put in charge of Wales. He was mm -hmm. president of the Council for Wales, and um, he didn't run it himself. He had a lot of civil servants doing it. Mm -hmm. And he got in trouble with them. They, they sent several letters to the king complaining that 
the king was giving him so much money. But one of the things he had to do was rebuild all the castles and houses that had been damaged during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So he was giving him equivalent of hundreds of thousands. And they were complaining, they're giving this guy money and nothing's happening. The headquarters is in Ludlow Castle at the time. He was given 4,000 yeah. to run it, probably a quarter of a million, and spent about 400. So what and was he spending it on then? He did some strange things. He, he took all the, all, everything that was in Ludlow Castle that belonged to the king, all, all the plate, the gold and the silver plate, all the furniture, the bedding, and transferred them down the Golden Grove. Right, okay. So, okay. <laughs> so these, the civil servants are complaining about this. So he, he transfers all the money down to the Golden Grove. All the properties. That, uh, all the that, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so he spends all the money on, uh, over there. On himself. On himself, on himself yeah. yeah. They were complaining um, the vicar that he had, the chaplain, he wasn't feeding him, wasn't paying him. Oh, he, can't he, was, he was in the servants. And the, the clincher came when he got down in one of his estates in Wales he started cutting people's ears off. One of his tenants, he cut his nose off. Christ. And he and he <clears throat> he threw them all off the land because they made them made them homeless now. These these are tenant farmers, most of them. So, so there's all these earless, noseless, homeless yeah. people walking around the countryside. Yeah, rocking around the West Wales. <laughs> I like like a second hand Mr. Potato Head who's missing the, some the of the king, bits. The king took took, took his um presidency of Wales away from him in 1672 and basically unheard of. Yeah, I mean, I think it, there's got to be at some point a king, you've got to step in and go, look, you keep on chopping yeah. people's features off. I don't think I, I can let you run the country anymore, mate. They, they, they were sending letters and complaints to the king left, right and centre. So eventually he had to act. He should have cut their fingers off. That would stop yes, them sending I letters. It was, a, it was a very strange person, you know. Do you, do you have any of the letters with you? Well, this is a chap who was... Uh, the wardrobe keeper to the council of the marches. They, they just look after the properties, I think. And mm-hmm. he wrote a letter and he says, uh, complaints that though these large sums for repairs and furniture had been received, the Earl had put in old household stuff, neglected the repairs, kept only half of the soldiers paid for. It is further alleged that he was allowed 3000 a year for the household expenses, but only spent mm-hmm. 400 the servants were only allowed one meal a day. Well, other allegations in a second petition, he withheld the diet and salary of his chaplain and had converted to his own use the plate and other goods provided by the king for Ludlow. Both petitions were referred to certain members of the council. His wife was just as bad. His, uh, his, the, the, his wife commanded everybody to search Ludlow Castle for the king's property Mm-hmm. and to bring them away to Golden Grove, the entire property, you know. And as this petition says, our servants slandered and abused, and some of them by the lady commanded out of the house. It is well she cannot carry the castle with her. So there's a bit of sarcasm thrown there. You know, if the castle was... Yeah, very, yeah, very sarcasm. A little bit spicy there, a little bit yeah. finger-clicking and a bit of a, a finger-wag. I, I sympathise with these servants because I'm, I'm currently trying to get my oven fixed. And I've been trying oh, to get right. my landlord to do that. And that's taken months. If I don't get an oven, a new oven soon, I think I'm going to go down my estate agents and start cutting people's faces off. Cut people's faces off, that's it. Clearly the only thing that works around here. And the, the landlord I go for, not the estate agent. Although they, they, yeah, don't, they, don't, they probably deserve it as well. Don't shoot the messenger. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that that was the second, uh, but the third one was. Uh, yes. We don't know so much about him. This is uh, John. John, yeah. He he was. Well, he, he, um, yeah, he, he's the rum guy with the pirate. He is the mate of the pirate. Yeah. The mate of the pirate. Okay. Yeah. And he uh, he was described by um, the famous director Samuel Pepys as the lewdest fellow of the age. Lewd means debauched. Lewd. Okay. Right. Well, if Samuel Pepys said that, <laughs> he should know because Pepys famously kept a diary for ten years every day. 1660 oh, yeah. to 69 and not only did he is the best record of things like the great plague the fire of london the goings-on mm-hmm. at court he also kept personal matters including his sexual exploits with oh, his extramarital affairs i'll read you one in a minute now if you, if you wouldn't mind terry can you read he, it he, but try he, and do it try and do it in a sexy voice so he can I stick will, some music I, well i i <laughs> he he didn't Please. intend this for publication which is why he wrote in a sort of chord he wrote some of it in latin some of it in bits in French, but they've, they've all been translated, mm. and it didn't get published till the 19th century. So, right, this is one now. Okay. We are, we're going to play some sexy music over this, Terry, so please try, <laughs> please try and get in the mood. His, his wife had um, a companion. They, women used to have those because the men were busy away doing all their um, things. Pepys was surprised by his wife as he embraced Deborah Willett. He writes that his wife, quote, coming up suddenly did find me embracing the girl with my hand under her coats and indeed was with my hand in her cunny. Now, I'm not going to tell you what cunny is. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but... (laughs) That took quite a sharp left turn i'm not gonna lie i thought that was gonna be quite <laughs> saucy and naughty and then no, suddenly no. out of nowhere it, <laughs> that's what he wrote it's in there you can it's, it's studied in university you know so it's okay his, sorry his whole he, hand was in there well that's what he said that's what peeps said yeah <laughs> so if peeps call somebody lewd the lewdest fellow then you can believe it but he was um Put in charge of Jamaica, the, the third Earl of Carberry, you see? <laughs> There's a dark side of it because Jamaica was a slave island at this point. Yeah, and okay. <laughs> when, when he became governor of Jamaica, he was in charge of allocate, selling the land for the slave plantations, had his own plantations as well. And right. there was a character called Captain Henry Morgan, the pirate. Now, all this pirates, is the Morgan, Morgan's pirate. This is the Mo- black, black curly hair. Morgan's rum. Pat, yeah. Morgan's rum, yeah. Familiar. Named after him. But only, uh-huh. only, only, in, only in the twentieth century. But uh, he he was from Cardiff at the t- uh, a small little fishing village then. But somehow or other, he Captain got to, Morgan was. Yeah, Morgan's a Welsh. Oh, was he? He got. Yeah, to, yeah, I guess it is. He got to the Caribbean and uh, he became a pirate. But he was actually what's called a privateer. Now, a privateer was allowed, given a license by the king, the monarch of the day, to attack any vessels, any ports of anybody. England was at war with, which at that time was Spain and the Dutch. That so feels quite a lenient thing to be granted. You had to share half of it with the oh, king. Okay. So you know that's what it was all about. And he could also he, he also he, he attacked many pirate ships, many ships with and he take oh, he he capture them, take whatever they had there, throw the crew overboard. That's how the pirates operated. And oh, wow. some most some some of the goods were going out back to Europe. They were sugar, rum. Secondhand DVDs, whatever they were, whatever they were catching. But also, he was in. He could, they were intercepting boats coming the other direction, slave boats. 
which are carrying oh, slaves to the Caribbean. And then he would they the would they free the slaves? No, he'd, he'd either oh. sell them at auction. But Captain Morgan made so much money out of this that he owned three slave plantations himself. So how would, is he, modern? De- how how have the modern day sort of woke brigade not cottoned on to the fact that they, they the Captain Morgan rum guy is a, is actually uh, a guy who abused yeah. slaves? More importantly, Cause, cause surely that that'd be quite outrageous. Surely this be, is yeah. A, yeah. Well, oh in, in fact, at the time he was knighted for it. He was knighted him, for oh, knighted for all the, all the ships he captured. All oh, right, I he attacked it. Panama. Clinton, right. He attacked Panama, the town of Panama. He attacked uh, places in Venezuela, and if he'd attack a town or a port, he would besiege it. So people would be hiding all their valuables. You know, if the, if he then took the town, he'd come in and said, "Right, where's all your money?" And if they didn't tell him, they'd be tortured. Oh, the sixth Earl is another one, the mad, the bad, and the dangerous. You know. This is the uh, Hugh John Vaughan Campbell. He's the mad, bad, and dangerous to no one. He's really, really, along with probably, um, well, the other one, the Cabaret's are pretty mad, bad, and yeah. dangerous to no too. But the, the, this guy really takes it. All right, so go on. What's this guy got up to? What did he do? The, the, the Campbells owned a lot in a lot of ways. At one point, the Cordovs owned 100,000 acres, 50,000 in Wales, 50,000 in Scotland. They were one of only 28 people who owned 100,000 acres in Britain, so they were loaded. But this right. one was, was the classic Rick, John Vaughan. He was, his, luckily, his, do- his daughter left a very good memoir of him, John Vaughan. Oh, good. So we've got lots of gossip. Because this yeah. guy also, this, is, this, guy, this guy is quite recent, right? Yeah, he died in, 19, in the 90s. 1993, I've got here. 93, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we are very, very modern. I mean, yeah. so we've got lots of accounts about it. So, all right, talk us through his life and what he used to get up to. Why was he such a bad person? Well, he had a, he had a lot of money. He was quite um, abusive to his family, but his, he spent the entire fortune in 17 mm. years when he inherited it. This sounds like a gambling problem to me. Well, he had a thing for fast cars, right? Now, in, in, in his daughter says, right. let me see what she says about him. He bought, he owned, Six E-type Jaguars, right? No, E-type Jaguars. Were That's the too many Jaguars. You don't need more than right, well, one, wrote, I'd say. He wrote off them all. He wrote them off and bought another one. <laughs> E-type Jags were the car because they were in the Bond films. Yes, yeah? of course. So all the rich yeah, had yeah. them. I'm going to assume this is all drink driving as well. This, do- oh, this yeah. doesn't, strike me, as a, this doesn't he, strike me as a man who was doing this soberly 30 had, miles an hour down the road. He had an, uh, he, he wrote, he, he liked to write his own laws and he decided that after midnight, you didn't have to stop at red lights because there's nobody around. Right. So sure. after midnight, you would go fast as he could. And all his crashes were at night when he was bombing along B roads. And, uh, and were, they all in, were they all into bushes and trees rather than other people? Yes, I don't think he hit anybody, no. But he, okay, he, well. he made a strange decision. Let's have a look uh, what his daughter said. He made, he, he made a strange, you know, he noticed a pattern in this E-types now. They were all E-types. Right. And there was another pattern that he missed, that they were all driven by him. He didn't get that, <laughs> did <he? laughs> Oh, so yeah, so, so a he bad saw, workman blames his tools, I think, so Terry. He, he decided the, yeah. the way to solve this problem of crashing E-types is to, get, is to buy only Ferraris. So that's sure, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense, sense. doesn't it? Yeah. There's sort of a logic to it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I keep on getting too drunk on whiskey and being abusive. I know, yeah. I'll drink vodka. That'll change it. 
This is what his daughter says in her memoirs. Very good. I can get it called Title Deeds. The name's Eliza Campbell. He wrote of six E-type Jaguars in quick successions, past philosophy that was when in town, obeying a red light after midnight was a sinful waste of precious time. Typically, he would crash mm-hmm. at night after dinner while drunk. Instead of spotting any correlation between drinking and the crashes, my father came to an altogether different conclusion. E-types were rubbish and their suspension dangerous, and thereafter he drove Ferraris. So that's what his daughter says. Sounds, sounds like a very reasonable man. Well, another thing that he did, he had this deranged idea of um, forming a sort of paramilitary group in Golden Grove. He had a series of hangers-on. He liked to have an entourage around him, like like the, the old aristocrats did. He wanted them for what? His own self-defence? Yeah, he had a sort of a retinue. Uh, one such permanent guest moved in for three years as a live-in martial arts instructor to teach him the... Japanese art of Aikido. Now, the Aikido... Aikido? Aikido, yeah. Is that where you use furniture? Yeah, the Aikido styled himself Tia Honsai. But far from being a wise Japanese master, he was actually a middle-aged Welshman from Cardiff called Ron Thatcher. (laughs) This sounds a bit like he could be heading towards like a Welsh Batman. Yeah, yeah, well, Hugh wanted to... What's his daughter say? He wanted to become an unarmed killing machine. That's where he got this martial arts guy in, see? Right, I see. So that he could walk the earth fearlessly. He would normally achieve this state by drinking. Better than driving the earth because he keeps crashing. Uh, uh, He would normally achieve this state by drinking. (laughs) This is his daughter again. This method tended to tip him from confidence into aggression. At one point, Hugh Campbell formed an elite squad of Aikido fighters, four male friends and his wife. And handed out and leather belts. And his wife, yeah. Handed out leather <laughs> belts. Leather belts he designed himself <laughs> that would serve as, as a group insignia. Oh, during so some, he's given them all. Yeah. Sorry, he's given them all utility, utility belts. Well, just so belts, he's literally you know. like Batman. Yeah, well, I don't think belts then, you mean. And then. After the Batmobiles teetotaled in, yeah. in a ditch. Well, they, they would serve as a group insignia during some future crisis when they would annihilate unacceptable people. These were annihilated as well. Yeah. What did he call this group? Did, did they have a I name? I don't think he had a name. No. Oh, he didn't get that far. He, he got them all belts and he it got them all trained up, but he didn't think have. of a name. It, it, I don't remember his daughter saying that. Did they ever actually annihilate anyone? Did they get round to that? Oh, yes. He's a fantasist, wasn't he? He dressed, yeah. according to his daughter, he dressed like a Regency rake, you know. One of a those rake? Rake, yeah, rake uh, the, uh, lewd people. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. They had that. That imagine a early nineteenth century dress. You know the type, the type you see in um, costume dramas. You know. Oh, I see. I see. I thought you meant like the other, the other pole and some metal spikes and some leaves Uh, in it. But uh, he had four girlfriends, birds on the go at one point. You know, his wife. Four girls. All at once. None of them knowing about each other, including one, including the Bond girl actually of the day. Yeah. He's probably trying to recreate a Charlie's Angel murder squad. It's time to be doing that sort of thing. There's one called Catherine Shell, who was a, a Bond girl in uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. But one oh. of them was, became his, his fourth wife. She was a Ch- Czechoslovakian countess whose family uh, escaped from Czechoslovakia during the Nazi occupation. And she came over to London eventually, and she was looking for an aristo, basically. Mm-hmm. She briefly dated Prince Charles. This woman, did she, did and, she, did she, okay. and she was talked about as a possible wife. Uh, she didn't oh. marry him, so somebody else sure. found out 
what it was like being married to Prince Charles. Poor <laughs> Diana. But, um, say no more, say no more. But yeah. she had a friend who did marry, another Czech friend, another countess, who did marry the Duke of Kent. They came over to Britain looking for Aristos to marry, but she got to Camber. Yeah. I mean, that's two Czechoslovakian girls who've done very well for themselves. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not and bad they didn't have to play tennis for it. It's wonderful. So she got, she got to Camber, <laughs> and at yeah. this point... He decided to move back to Calder Castle. What had happened at one point was, during the war, the big house they lived in was Stackpole, where, where the king had visited. It was, it was requisitioned during the war for gunnery practice. After the war, he wanted to renovate it, to put it back in order, but the council turned him down for planning. So he demolished it. It was used to build the foundation of an oil refinery, and he, he mm -hmm. took, built a new place in St. Isle, a new golden grove across the river, the other, a much more modern one with all the fixtures and fittings, and he moved back to Scotland. Sold all the lands in right. West Wales, liquidated everything. He got to Scotland, and he went deranged up there. He had a mother-in-law living up in Corda Castle. His, his mother had married again. He, oh, so, so he moved in with his mother-in-law? Well, yeah, but he evicted her. Uh, that, that'll do it. He moved his mother, in, his mother back in there, but she had to go as well. Christ. He brought all his stuff from Golden Grove with him, including his cook of, you know, years. They all left. He was pretty dangerous at the end. Did he end up just sort of sad and alone? Well, well he died of, um, I think he was only in his 60s. He had a cocaine habit as well, according to his daughter. When his funeral uh, came, right. the family couldn't get anybody to read a memorial service for him. Nobody would do it. Sure. So that's how bad he'd sent, you know. Yeah, but wow. It's sad in a way. His daughter talks about it. She, she gets angry as hell with him, you know. As she said, mm. we've had, especially lost all the money. Oh, have you, have you met the daughter? Because she's obviously oh, still around. No, she was living, living there for a long time, St. Ilo. Oh, she was. But when they, when they moved to Corda Castle, they, they sold the house in St. Ilo. And um, they didn't go around with the mother-in-law. They didn't stay there. She didn't want them there at all. Mm. They all moved abroad. And... The real bombshell is when, when, in, when Hugh Campbell died, they looked at his will. And it's quite a shock when it gets read out. It's a, it's a huge shock. Um, they were expecting to inherit Corda Castle and its estates mm -hmm. and whatever money was there. But mm -hmm. he left it all to his second wife, their stepmother. He cut out his own son. But his son could That's inherit nice. the title, but nothing else. And it came as an absolute shock. You know, Liza yeah. Campbell, in, in her uh, memoir of of uh, calls her stepmother, the new the new lady Corder, Diabolica. She calls her the stepmother from Central Casting, and the locals mm. called her Lady Macbeth Mark II. So she was not a not a very nice person. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> yeah, but, that is a triple whammy of insults. Yeah, I, 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 I love stepmother from Central Casting. That's amazing. Did the daughter get anything? Nobody got anything. They offered. They were offered by the, um, the stepmother the choice of the pens that he had on his desk as a personal memento oh, of, da of daddy. That's so petty and horrible. I wonder what pen they chose. <laughs> Oh, because if it's one of those biros that has all the different colours at the top, that's quite I cool, got, actually. I got one of those. I quite, I quite like those. Yeah, they, they, they're I so guess. enough. I quite like them, yeah. Yeah, they're not bad, actually. Yes, this is what Liza Camera wrote. Hugh had neither earned nor bought Corder, 
It had taken no talent to receive all his extraordinary privilege other than being born the right sex. These possessions were entrusted to his care, but Corder was not his. Not only had he shafted his own son in the will rewrite, but he had shafted the previous 24 generations. Mm. This stony treasure had survived 600 years of wild Scottish history, yet it took just one drunken rake to piss it away. So, Hugh Campbell pissed away his inheritance and pissed off his family so much that no one wanted to speak at his funeral. I guess John Lennon was right when he said money can't buy you love. But then he also said everyone's got something to hide except me and my monkey. So I don't know. Is he a reliable source? Perhaps the real question here is, should we be listening to John Lennon? Terry, any thoughts on John Lennon? I suppose you could say he had a full life, say the least. He certainly did, Tezza. An incredible career. Did you know he hated his voice? Isn't that crazy? One of the greatest singer-songwriters of all time didn't like his voice. I've just realised this has got nothing to do with the Golden Grove Estate. Shall we end this episode? Yes. Great. Terry, it's been so lovely having you on the podcast. Okay, Thank then. you so much for having uh, Come on. Okay. All the best then. Ta-da. Cheers. Ta-ra for now. Until next time, remember, if you keep crashing your E-type Jags when you're drunk, just buy Ferraris, complain to the king and mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite Bad Manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomized Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton. It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport, and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.